This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode, and I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with MC Chris. I know things got super heavy there at the end. Uh, I didn't want to uh, totally warn you guys early on, but the, the episode went places, and, as he, uh, and I didn't know Chris. So as he's talking about things um, that were getting heavy, I was like, is this stuff out before? But luckily, our own Matt Kelly of Horror Movie Night Podcast is a huge MC Chris fan, and... Uh, was like, oh yeah, that stuff's been out in the uh, internet and press for years, and uh, and I hope that those of you who've dealt with abuse and, and things like that uh, weren't taken off guard by the subject matter, because um, I thought it was worth talking about. I definitely was not going to stop him from talking about it, because it needed to be addressed, and we were talking about therapy and mental wellness and all that stuff, so that's what Geekscape is. Uh, we don't want to just be the people who talk about what we thought of Iron Fist Season 2, although you'll probably find that on the feed right now with sitting down with Ian Kerner and talking about that, but we can't just talk about things. This is an existential geek podcast where we talk about the existence in the geekscape, so um, that's what we do. I'm Jonathan Lennon, your host. We talk movies, video games, comics, and TV, and we do that with people who create that stuff, and we find out why they want to what, why these stories? Like, where did they come from? What inside of you wanted to make this alchemist's dream of something out of nothing, which is insanity by most people's definitions? Is like, <laughs> oh, nothing exists there. I'm going to be the person who put it, who, who puts it there. It's like, why? Well, maybe it's egotistical. I don't know. I'm sitting down with somebody who I don't think is egotistical at all. We've been friends for years. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he's been on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, I have. You've been on the podcast. I have. Jason Inman's been on the podcast, and I know that Ashley Robinson, sitting to his left, yes, has been on the podcast for Wonder Woman. And we are sitting here uh, in their domain. Uh, they they have a new cat. Six weeks. Uh, they, they, you guys adopted a new cat. Yes, running around here somewhere. His name is Brago. Brago, and um, do you get do you get that reference? 
You're gonna have to help me out. This Go is ahead, why Ashley. I don't do trivia. That's the name of Aragorn's horse uh, oh, it that is. he meets in Two Towers. Yeah. Who that that actual horse just died a couple months ago? Oh, the actor horse. Yeah, I, that yep. Vigo bought off the set. Geekscape, the podcast about horse death. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched. Um, what did I, I watched a, an Elijah Wood movie last night on Netflix. <laughs> And Jason's met him, and I'm deeply jealous. I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was really Elijah good. Wood? Elijah Wood. Oh yeah, yeah, he's nice. He was in this movie <laughs> called "I Don't Want to Live Here Anymore." That um, <laughs> that he plays a little bit like a nihilist, and this woman. You know, I thought it was pretty good. It was uh, directed by Macon Blair, who was the actor in Blue Ruin and Green Room, and was in like he ended up directing this movie. And I'd heard that he had directed a movie. Uh, I think it premiered itself by Southwest, which was where I heard about it, and. I was like, oh, I'd be interested in watching that guy's movie because he's, like, I think he's a really good actor, but um, the movie was really good and interesting, so Geekscape, let's go look for that one. Um, so Jason posted on Twitter a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. maybe a week or two ago, like, hey, um, I, you know, I, if you have a podcast, I'd like to come on because I have this, this crowdfunding thing coming up, and I was and Surprisingly, like, not many people contacted me. I'm just throwing it out there. You know what? I'm so glad you did. <laughs> well, you can always count on Jonathan. You can always count on me because uh, we're friends and, and I'm, I'm sincerely interested in what you guys are doing. The last crowdfund, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last crowdfunding that you guys did was the successful Jupiter Jet comic. Yeah. And you both co-created it? Co-wrote it. Co-wrote it. And co-created it. And co-created it. And um, and will there be more of the Jupiter Jet? It's the hope. Uh, uh, it's the hope eventually to do that. Um Right now, we, we, we're, we're doing the Christopher Nolan model. We'd like to, because Jupiter Jet's our baby, but we want to you know, throw in the prestige in there before we go to Dark Knight. And then we want to you know, throw in some Inception before we go to Dark Knight Rises. No, you stop there. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So like the goal, in, in a perfect world, Jupiter Jet would be five volumes. Because okay. we, we want to cover every volume as the next year of our life. But we want to tell a different story in between each year. We don't mm-hmm. want to just give the audience cherry pie every single week. Right. So we want to give them, hey, here's, uh, here's boysenberry. In my experience, if you just make them pie, they throw it back at you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Good to know. Uh, and so, so maybe a cake. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, right, and and, and this, this second idea is, the, like, in Geekscapes, I know nothing about it. I was just telling them that before we started recording, I sincerely know nothing about this next project. Other than it's crowdfunding, I don't, in the crowdfund launched today, I'm putting up this episode a little bit late so that it uh, coincides with the uh, launch of the, of the crowdfund. What, um, what is the story here on this one? Are you guys doing Kickstarter or Indiegogo or what are you guys going with? Uh, we're doing Kickstarter for this one. We did Kickstarter for Jupiter Jet. Uh, with comics, it's a little harder to say, oh, if we only get half of it, then we'll only do half of it Um, we did an Indiegogo when we did Red Shirt Diaries ages and ages ago Um, and for that we always thought oh well we could make one episode or we could make five episodes um, instead of the 20 uh, that we wound up making you can scale it based on the result but the comic the story ends up not Well, yeah, you can't be like okay we only got a quarter of our funds. I guess you only get ten pages. <laughs> guess what's not coming in color? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, make up your own word balloons, friends. <laughs> yeah, fill in your own word balloons like coloring books. Yeah, but this one is called Science. With it's a, a comic. It's a comic. It's a graphic novel. This is a graphic novel. It yep. will not be coming out in singular issues. No, it'll it'll be it'll be an eighty-page graphic novel. So it'll be all in one go. Take that, people who call yep. Watchmen a graphic novel. That's right. Not uh, a graphic novel. Yeah, it's Watchmen as issues. Um, 
but they're this, all comic books. Grow up. All, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally left that comment on somebody's page. Yeah. It was like I call them funny books. He's like, mad. can't wait for the Watchmen HBO series. It's my favorite graphic novel. And I just went comic trade, book trade paperback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, no, technically yeah. it's not. And I was like, um, so this one's a graphic novel. Yeah, because there's no there's no issues. <laughs> But uh, it'll be published through uh, Bedside Press, which is a lovely Canadian publisher. Eisner uh, nominated. Eisner nominated. Um, but they are the same boat as us. They're independent creators, so um, we have to, as the creators, we have to pay for everything ourselves. You know, the writers. Or no, we don't. We don't. We, don't, we actually are not getting paid for this book. We're paying the artists. We're paying the colorists. We're paying the inker. Um, the and the letter. And as of right now, this is the only way you can order the book is through the Kickstarter. We, as far as we know, this will be a finite printing. Exactly. This is it. Like, like this is this this Kickstarter is to right. to create the book and to print the book, and that's it. But um, the story is about a fourteen year old girl named Tamsin, who uh, is starting. Okay. There's no wind here, but all right, your, your windscreen fell off. But it's all right. <laughs> I'm messing with the mic. You're gonna hear some weird sounds. Okay. <laughs> um, she's attending her first year at the most advanced science school in the world, called the Prometheus Institute, and she should be excited about this process, but she's actually not because she's at the Prometheus Institute to destroy it from the inside. She's a villain. Yes, because her father was the headmaster of the school yeah. many, many years ago. And he died in mysterious circumstances, and she thinks the current headmaster murdered her father. To take his place. And yeah. now, so there's some mystery going on, there's um, a bit of a, I'm hoping, maybe, don't let this mm-hmm. persuade your writing, that, uh, that someone who is introduced as a villain has like their turn. And is like, I would oh, say that might be a good instinct there, John. Like, <laughs> let's, you know, maybe they start to appreciate the greater good. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and that sounds great. Do you guys have a, a, an artist on board? Yeah, our artist, her name is Des Pittman. Uh, she's a, an illustrator from Portland. We actually went through uh, four or five artists before. We had a really hard time getting someone to actually sign on to this project for some reason. Um, but we actually tabled beside Des earlier this year at Wizard World Portland. Um, and her husband, Jason, who's like Earth 2 version of our Jason, who's yeah. with us today. Uh, so we became friends with them. They're both artists. And we knew we wanted to collaborate. So it just worked out really well with timing. Uh-huh. Um, and they went to the Qbert School. Like, oh, yeah. She's, very she's a graduate talented. of the Joe Qbert School of Sequential Art. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but she's super cool. Um, yeah, so, so it does have... And selling Tamsin as a villain might be a little much. But she, yeah, she, she's going to be confronted with the idea of... Do I destroy the school or right. do I not destroy the so, school? I, I mean, is she more like uh, what was the character that went to the Xavier school? Like Quentin, what was his name of the pink hair? Quentin Choir. Quentin Choir. Yeah, yeah. Like Kid Omega. Kid Omega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just a little asshole. Yeah, that, that's kind of what she is. <laughs> so you guys get to write a little bit of like a semi like nihilistic punk rock kid in the classroom who's well, like. Sort of, you sort know. of. But it's, it's interesting because her, she's going to have a love interest, and her love interest is more that than she is. Okay, she's a lot. Tams is a lot more innocent. Tamsin's her character arc is more about like, who do I trust? Mm-hmm. Because I'm carrying this huge secret. Well, because I know this secret, and I believe the secret, and I've worked my whole life towards this secret. But I get to the school, and my friends are cool, and this school's cool, and hey, there's, and there's floating robots. robots. Yeah, there's yeah. tiny floating robots. So oh, that's cool. So maybe <laughs> what I know is not right. 
Uh-huh. You know, and what how do what do I do with this? And, yeah. But her roommate is uh, you should talk about her roommate. Her roommate Garen, um she's a rebel and you can tell cuz she wears a James Dean shirt in the first scene that you meet her in. Mm-hmm. And uh she discovers a power source, is that what we're calling mm-hmm. it, uh, that might rip a hole in the fabric of reality. And it's something the students are working on or is it something that's secreted down the, below in the basement? Well, every student yeah. Bit of column A, bit of column B. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> every, every student has their own project in this okay. in a story because they're all every year you have the chance to win the Prometheus Institute award for superior science. And every student has to like create a project to win that award. It's kind of the goal of every character in the book. And her roommate Garen creates this project to win that prize because it's it is her goal to win that prize at all. And this is another conflict that uh, Tams and our main character is going to have to come up with is that I love this girl. Like, I secretly yeah. love my roommate. I haven't told her I love her. I love her. But she's doing this project that literally destroys FaceTime. Yeah. And you're uh, feeding a little monster under the bed. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and her, you know, and, and her crush, crush or, crush, or crush, I'm going to call it her crush. Yeah. Her it's, crush the entire time is like, no, it's all good. It's, it's all good. It's a Canadian influence. Her crush. Publisher. <laughs> <laughs> her crush. You're, you're yeah. trying to like, develop an it's double Canadian. It's double Canadian. Um, but, yeah, like, so, it's funny because um, this storyline was all born out of basically my love for the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. because I love the Fantastic Four and I, we actually came up with this idea about two or three years ago. Like right after Jupiter Jet was just taking off and yeah. we didn't have time to be working on a new comic. But it was... R- when, it, when, it, when, yeah. when the crowdfunding was taking off or when the published... It, it was published... When, it was, when the crowdfunding we were was taking off. about to start the yeah. crowdfunding. Like, yeah. and, and it sort of was born out of um, Secret Wars, Marvel Secret Wars, uh-huh. taking the Fantastic Four off the board because... I think there's it's interesting. There's a vacuum now. Yeah, there's a vacuum. I think the Marvel Universe without the Fantastic Four is a not good Marvel Universe. It's the same as right. I judge the DC Universe on how good is Superman. Like, he's their yes. linchpin. Fantastic Four is Marvel's linchpin. And I'm guessing that the Bendis Superman is a great, is a really solid Superman. His action's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I, I loved my, uh, Brian Michael Bendis and followed... I did too. And I read everything he wrote for Marvel, but... And his Ultimate Spider-Man but, run is one of the best but, Spider-Man runs. But he became, and no, no offense to the rest of the Marvel writers, but he very much became the loudest voice in Marvel. Mm-hmm. And in, in writers like Dan Slott and Gary Duggan, people like that were doing some incredible work. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like him going to DC has allowed for someone like Dan Slott, who I, I love the risks he was taking on Spider-Man. A lot of fans were so not into it. I agree. But yeah. I, I think you've got to take risks like that and doing things like... You know, switch body swapping him with Doc Ock and doing weird stuff and turning him into basically Tony Stark <laughs> millionaire yeah. and then stripping him of that stuff. Um, I thought it, that stuff was great and yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, characters get stale. And now he's writing Iron Man yep. and he's and doing he's take it. FF. I'm very excited for his FF. Run. I am too. And um, fun fact: Brian Michael Bendis uh, bought Jupiter Jet. That's right. Hey, <laughs> good on you, Brian. But um, but the but I agree with you that it, and I think that it's represented as well in the cinematic universe is when you have a morally ambiguous Superman you don't really have that cornerstone to build a very strong mm-hmm. DC universe and I think that's what we're discovering in the in the the the, the movies is that you you got the brain of the uh, the trifecta you got the brain right in Batman it's pretty easy to do you've got the spirit right mm-hmm. but the heart has to be there yeah. and the heart was wrong the heart was yeah. kind of like and, I, and, I, and, and I, they cast him perfectly is the saddest thing about it like yeah. I think Henry Cavill is perfect I think he's, he's perfect he's a golden age he's, he's literally Kurt Swan Superman he's so around. majestic like yeah. awesome to watch and then it's like uh, but no. it's the same I think it's the same thing for the Fantastic Four and Marvel and the uh-huh. comics like I think 
everybody's been complaining about it, that Marvel has taken a dip in quality in the last three years, and I'm like, yeah, and I think it's I think it's subliminal. You can track it to Fantastic Four. So this project was born out of me sort of being like, what do I love about Fantastic Four, and how can I take that and put it into a different project? You guys are co-writing it. Yes, yeah. we are co-writing. And, 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 and I, and I, I just want to correct you on the eye. Yeah, yeah. How can I take that? Oh, sorry. It's, it's, well, it's so it, it was the the project and the. <laughs> it's very disrespectful. <laughs> well, so, 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 the genesis of it did come from Jason. But entirely. so yeah, I, that's, that's behind us, though. So, yeah. well, he, will, this, this he will now yeah. address you as being in the room. Yes. <laughs> uh, 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 so co-writer Royal co-writer week. B. Uh, as I call her. Why she got to be B? Uh, a co-writer C. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is just getting worse. You see what happened, Jonathan, when you try and social justice? The patriarchy. <laughs> when, you, when you try to SJW it's it what you did. You let a white man in the room and this is what happened? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, no, the reason why I said I is because um, this is very much Ashley and I's writing process. And the same thing happened in Jupiter Jet. Ashley was just like, I got a name. I got a name, Jupiter Jet. And I was like, it's a girl with a jetpack. That was pack. my entire yeah. pitch for that and, and then we went from there. So, so for science, it was... I want to do something about like sciencey Fantastic Four Kirby stuff, and she was like, "It's a school." I, yeah. I, like, I always think it's, <laughs> it's a, a school. I always think it's a school uh, for children. It's always yeah. my yeah. bitch. <laughs> yeah, and then it went from there. So like, it was always like, yeah, one of it's that's how we that's how we co write. It's like one of us has the idea, and the other person's like, "Oh, it's this and this and this," and we're like, "Oh, that sounds great." Yeah. <laughs> you know, must be nice. Yep. I'm over there in the I'm over there in the McDonald's <laughs> and Starbucks by myself, like banging myself in the face with my laptop. That's how I write. Oh, <laughs> my yeah. prices is my my process is. That's really stupid. Can we, can we unstupid that? <laughs> well, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> It's more like our screenwriting process. <laughs> maybe, yeah. it's a, maybe it's a screenwriting thing. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's great. So, so you guys are launching the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys are listening to this episode, the Kickstarter is live and it will be live for a month. So, hop over to Kickstarter. Look for and the, we have an easy URL: sciencecomicbook.com. Sciencecomicbook.com. We'll take you directly to the Kickstarter. We'll take you right to the Kickstarter and. Um, and I, I'm guessing the main objective, or I'm sorry, the main incentive is to just get this book in your hand. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing there are cheaper incentives for like a digital copy of the it. The digital copy is 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the print book is 25, but you get it signed. So uh, it's 25. But we have lots of cool perks. Um, like we have prints by uh, Brent Schoonover, who's a Marvel artist. We have a print by Ryan Sands, who is. Jeffrey Wilder on Runaways, and, oh, that's cool. and also a cover artist for Runaways. And he's a cover <laughs> really artist for Runaways, cool. yeah. Um, but we also love to do these rewards, and we did a lot of these on Jupiter Jet, mm-hmm. where um, we get script reviews, script excuse, script reviews from big comic book writers. And the biggest one we have on this one is I asked a friend of mine. Uh, he's a guy that writes Batman right now. Tom King. Tom King is have a is that his, so you can his go to coming our... his coming up party was yeah, yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. this guy, like when Snyder left. Yeah. Kid, we were like, oh, who's going to replace Snyder? And this kid came out with guns blazing. Yep. And, like, and really I think maybe made a run it. that's better than Snyder's. No comment, Scott. No comment. <laughs> I love Scott Snyder. I love Scott Snyder, and I love his Batman run, right. but I, I, I think Tom King's run's better. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just a matter, it's a matter of taste, that's yeah, yeah. all. And, and what your yeah. preference is. It's yeah. not a value judgment. Oh, yeah, if you like Scott's run better than Tom's, cool. good and, for you. In, in Geekscapes, if you want... To hear me, because you know how cynical I am about Batman. If you're a longtime Geekscape listener, you're like, "Oh, Jonathan hates Batman." Um, I hate the idea that a billionaire is using this as the problem solving for eradicating crime. I'm like, mm, eh, "Not the smartest way to go Fun about the it." But, okay, <laughs> like you're weird. Um, uh, so I'm always pretty cynical about Batman as a character. And uh, if you want to hear last episode with MC Chris. He was like, "Batman works when he's a detective in like a Sherlock yes. Holmes," and I was like. 
huh? He goes, it's just very hard to write that on a deadline and really embrace the detective aspects of Batman because he's the world's greatest detective. Yeah. And when you get away from that and start making him ride around in tanks and shit, it's like that's just a blunt force object as you know, and he's not the blunt force object. I love that I love that MC Chris, that's a great idea because I was it, like, oh wow. The detective idea because again if it's like if it's Batman focusing on one murder it's you make the book about he's constantly trying to solve his parents' murder. Well, he got there. And that's with, amazing. He got there with. Um, he got there by. He he said that comment because in Grant Morris's run, mm-hmm. he threw him through time. Yeah. And had him stripped of all the Wayne resources. Mm-hmm. It was just like this is just a dude who's a pilgrim now or whatever. Although and, I do love that series. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and but but he said what he loved about it was that Bruce is stripped of his resources and must just be the detective, mm-hmm. and. It really shifted my thinking on Batman and how he could work because he was a character that, as you geeks gave us know, I had totally given up on and been like, enough of this guy. Well, because yeah, too many writers, and Grant Morrison's the guy that created this in his Justice League run. Which did, is why I will go back to DC when he's doing Green Lantern. Sure. When we, so when he, made his, when he made his Justice League run, the only way he could make Batman sit with these, because he made the Justice League, the Greek gods, sure. was he made what people call Bat-God. Where Batman can mm-hmm. do everything and outplay. I mean, Batman beat the Justice League, and and now a lot of writers write Bat God and not the Detective. It's not fun. It's yeah. a, It's not. And it's certainly not not fun out of context of the Justice League. Like sure. you kind of understand it within the context of that run mm-hmm. a little more because of what Grant Morrison is doing. We'd go to his church if he started a religion. I would. I would. Yeah. I, would, I, would I would walk in. <laughs> Which is basically his event in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. that, that oh, Morrisicon. Yeah, Morrisicon. Yeah, yeah. I um, wish he'd do that again. I'd go. I'd go. <laughs> he, um, he. I, I hosted him on a panel a year or two ago at LA Comic Con, <laughs> and I just found him to be really a lot of fun to talk. He's to. very charming. And um, in Geekscape, I know LA Comic Con's coming up again at the, at the end of October, and. I think I have two. I've been talking to them about doing a couple panels, and we'll see. But that is for another day. We're here right now with Jason and Ashley talking about science. Um, and go to Science the Comic Book. Science Comic Book. ScienceComicBook.com, and you guys will be taken directly to the URL in the Kickstarter page, and you can look at all these incentives. I think I'm circling that $25 signed copy one for right now um, because uh, the book sounds great. It sounds like uh, it sounds like a little bit of I will sell it to the Harry Potter fans. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it sounds a little bit like what I enjoyed about Grant Morrison's run on X-Men, too, is that like he's like embraced the school and yeah. filled it with like weirdos. Oh, it'll be a bunch you know of weirdos. I mean? yeah, uh, yeah. And then it's also got the Fantastic Four in it, which I agree with you, uh, you know, is, is, is a major part of the Marvel Universe that's often overlooked. And then it's got uh, a bit of like the female-centric um, lead, which... You guys also do with Jupiter Jet, and is that a conscious decision? Is that is, is that out of Ashley saying <laughs> it's Jupiter Jet or this and that? Like, I'm just asking Jason when he's going to man up. Really, like that's what that's kind of where I'm going. Okay, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. The, the next one. <laughs> I the next one. In all honesty, I think you're manning up by doing this because the vitriol you sometimes get as a female on the internet yeah. to be a guy who's like, no, fuck it, we're going to do this. Yeah, is kind of manning up. Jupiter Jet was always my idea was always that she was going to be female, and now um, I heard this that it's not strong female lead; it's dynamic female lead. Okay, uh, which I, I like the idea that like they're fully formed people. It's not mm. just um, a female version of 
Am an I, action star? Explain or, to me or, that concept as a, someone who's not even fully formed as himself. <laughs> <laughs> so people have complex personalities oh. that live inside of them. <laughs> <laughs> my, my nose starts bleeding. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> okay, I'll go back a little further. Um, so there's these tadpoles, right? And one of them is the Olympic swimmer of all tadpoles. <laughs> and when mommy and daddy kiss. Continue. Oh, continue. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought, I, I thought it was called wrestling. <laughs> so, is that what, is that what you call Mommy and Daddy wrestle. And then a baby happens. The way they taught us there's no wrestling oh, involved. It's oh. just kissing. Is that what they were doing? <laughs> Give them tadpoles as a present. <laughs> <laughs> Science, everybody. So, um, so yeah, talk about the fact that these two series both have f- female leads. Dynamic female That's leads. That's right. Uh, it's a, just a bit of a coincidence, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, because these were the... Jason and I have been pitching projects and working on projects for a while. Jupiter Jet, I think, is the fourth or fifth one that we did. It was just the first one to go mm-hmm. uh, in any meaningful way in science. Uh, we'd been talking with Bedside Press for a while. For like three years. For a couple years. Yeah. And uh, diversity and representation is a big part of their branding. So they asked us, they looked at Jupiter Jet, they would have, uh, they were interested in it, but they wanted something a little more diverse, and they also value stuff that can be educational. So it just happened to be the perfect project for the perfect publisher. And but the the publisher of Jupiter Jet was Action Lab. Action mm-hmm. Lab, and they you know, like the, there was a story there. They didn't ask the first time around, or you guys made a point to do this with somebody else. We were courting a lot of people at the same time because it was our first book, so we just reached out to a bunch of different people all at once. Um, and then uh, Bedside Press said, yeah, we like this, it's good, but we would rather uh, see something a little more diverse with maybe a more educational option to oh, it. So Bedside Press was an option for Jupiter mm-hmm. Jazz, Jet, and they were like, and, but, but why not dance with the one who brought you and return to well, the Action weir- Lab? The weird thing is, is that um, <laughs> the year that we... The year that we pitched Jupiter Jet to Action Lab was the same year we pitched Science to uh, oh, to yeah. Bedside Press. So, like, you, so, yeah, so, we, okay. so, so, so Action Lab. So they, both products sort of happened simultaneously. So it wasn't it sh- one or the other. Right? Exactly. No, it yeah. just it just it took Science a little bit longer to get to this point. Mm-hmm. And we weren't comfortable working on both projects at the same yeah, time. Yeah. So when so when, so when Jupiter Jet started, we were like, Science is going to bed yeah. for yeah. a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, it, yeah, because it was funny when we were when we launched the campaign for Jupiter Jet. I think was when Bedside Press finally gave us a yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and then we were like, "Well, we need about a year to do Jupiter Jet." Sorry, guys. There's <laughs> yeah. only so much brain jelly. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, thank you so much to uh, their publisher, Hope Nicholson, for yeah. being very understanding and never having an issue with us taking the time that we needed. Yeah. Um, so both publishers are cool. Both they're publishers both great. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're both. They both gave us comics, so there's not much to yeah, complain yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're both well. They're both into the idea of this being a shared universe. I said. <laughs> I said. It. I said it. Everybody thinks I it is. It. It's not a shared I universe. I said it yet. I yeah. said it. Also, though, if you if uh, any of the listeners have read Jupiter Jet, uh, you know it's impossible. It, it can't be a shared universe. You know it's impossible. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would love. I would love an Easter egg, like maybe one of them is reading a Jupiter Jet comic or has a comic right. that well, looks hold your like, horses there. That hey. maybe looks like her, but like it's not. That's not a priority. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so they, they, we're going to give you an exclusive right now. Science is actually set in the universe of Lord of the Rings. So yeah. uh, there you go. It's on Middle Earth. Like, <laughs> I, I guess Quentin Tarantino came out like School is in Gondor. I think early on. I think oh Quentin Tarantino came out around <laughs> Kill Bill, and said that. Some of the movies that he makes are set in like a reality, like Pulp Fiction and um, 
and Reservoir Dogs exist in the same universe because like one of the Reservoir Dogs is the cousin of Vincent Vega. Yeah. And then there are movies that those characters watch. And that's like Kill and Bill. Like Kill Bill is yeah. one of the movies that they would watch. So that exists as a movie in the universe, mm. but it's not in the same universe. Like and then in Django, some cowboy guy they meet has a name that's in Pulp Fiction. And uh, supposedly Inglorious Bastards happened before. Yeah, well, well it's funny. Have you, heard, have you heard the weird unifying theory of that? No. So the idea is that because in that universe, in Inglorious Bastards, spoilers for Inglorious Bastards, if you haven't seen it, please go see it. Um, they kill Adolf Hitler, right? And so the idea, and since he was killed in a movie theater, that's the reason why um, the pop culture is such a part of their lexicon, and that universe is a little bit more violent. Mm-hmm. Is the idea because Adolf Hitler was killed? Americans won the war because they killed Hitler in a movie theater. Sure. So like that's the weird unifying theory of that, and that's the reason why that universe is supposedly more violent. I don't know. I heard it and I was like, oh, that's cool, all right. <laughs> has nothing, yeah. it has nothing with, with, with the fact that if you grow up in the 80s working in a video store and watching nothing but John Woo movies, yeah. in Peckinpah you'll end up a super violent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, everything you say is, po- is a pop culture reference. Yes. <laughs> right, it has nothing to yeah. do with it. Yeah. It's, it's Hitler's death fault that Speaking I, of, uh, he, he created his own origin story. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Quentin Tarantino, um, I'm, I'm really sad that, because uh, Burt Reynolds was supposed to be yes. in... Uh, um, What's the name of his new movie? Once, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, right. I, and, I, and I won't be able to. That's and crazy. And also speaking of unifying like shared universe stuff is the character who's playing Charles Manson for Tarantino is, is also it? playing it for... Mindhunter. Yeah, and Mindhunter. So I'm like, That's oh, great. Okay. That's, that just to me uh, means that uh, he must be an amazing actor. Yeah. So <laughs> and I think it's so cool good. that there's this unofficial shared link between the two yeah. uh creations. Like um so I thought that was really cool. Um so you've got science coming out, Geekscapist, sciencecommonbook.com. You can contribute to this thing. I'm always up for like making art and you guys contributing to making art. Uh and I like catching up with Jason because like I don't know when you were last on the show. Um, Ashley hopped up and she's got an appointment. Ashley's actually in a play. Ashley right has now. a role to a real, so she a has real to go thing. do a matinee. Bye, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she, so she's gonna take off and go do the thespianizing, and uh, and Jason and I will, will chill here and talk to you, Geeks Gabers. Yeah, we can still nerd out. Um, Grant Morrison on, on Green Lantern. Can we talk about that? Because I just yes. discovered it this week. Um, because I'm so excited. DC put out their free um, DC Nation. DC Nation publication. It's basically Wizard Magazine 2.0. But only for DC. But only for DC. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. we'll do but, our own But it's thing. weird because a lot of the old wizard staffers work in DC. Uh-huh. Like uh, Mike Cotton, who is the mm-hmm. Superman editor, he was an editor at Wizard. Yes, and who was the original guy who did the letter pages for Wizard? Jim McLaughlin. Jim McLaughlin. And when I first got into Radio Geekscapist, I lived in Philadelphia. I was a freshman at Penn, and I started doing radio. And I emailed Jim McLaughlin and said, "Hey, this is my situation. I do radio. I do student radio in Philly." Are there any comic book creators that I can have on the radio? And I emailed, uh, I think, Amanda Connor. Oh, nice. Lived it, and she said, "Your timing sucks. I just left. I just moved out of Philadelphia. It could have been Amanda. Con- I believe it was Amanda Connor. And she just moved out of Philadelphia. And the other person that he connected me with was John Arcudi. Oh, I love John Arcudi. And yeah, John yeah. and I developed a friendship for years. I mean, we're still friends, but we haven't seen each other in. A decade plus And we used to go to lunch And he came on the radio And then uh, we used to go to lunch At 
the Market Street Station and get sandwiches and just kind of talk comics. And when I went on to grad school in New York, he would ship me, like he was writing Doom Patrol. He had a he had a short-lived Doom Patrol series, and he would ship me comics. And then, I, of course, he wrote BRPD for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and dude, the guy was the guy's so awesome. And if you guys aren't reading. Um, his book Rumble, then you're kind of missing out. I am missing out. I didn't know he had a book right now. That's he has awesome. a book. He has a, one or two books, and, and Rumble is one from. Uh, it's about a bit of like a sentient scarecrow with an enormous sword who uh, fights monsters. It's an image book. I can. Uh, I can. I got to read an image book early. I'm going to put it out on the Geekscapers oh, radar. But thanks, Jim McLaughlin. Oh, sorry, sorry. That. That's all I'm saying. Jim, Jim McLaughlin's awesome. Wizard Magazine has a. Is he still magazine. a DC Jim McLaughlin? Because no, I know he went not. to DC. I think he works for the Hero Initiative now. Oh wow. Yeah, I think I think that's his main. He's out here in LA now, I know, but um, he works. I think he works for the Hero Initiative. Last I saw. God, that takes me back to yeah. literally uh, 1997. But uh, um, I want to put a comic book on your radar okay. uh, here. Oh, we, we, I don't want to get too far from DC. We're talking about Green Lantern. No, uh, I, I'm just looking forward to it. I, I looked up and um, and I'm not a DC guy. I need those events to bring me to read some DC. And I saw that Grant Morrison. Was writing Green Lantern. Have you heard his like, pitch for it? That'll be crazy and weird. What is it? Okay, his pitch for it is is that he wants to do Law and Order Space, and that it totally makes sense. And that each issue is a one and done that will connect. So, like, if you read it all together, kind of like All Star Superman, be this cool fabric. Yeah, there's a cool little tying through. No issue takes place on Earth. Mm-hmm. Not one of them, because he was like, I don't get this guy. This guy patrols a whole sector. Why is he always on Earth? And well, he's lazy. He yeah, doesn't exactly. leave his house. And he and he but he has this idea that he's like to me he's like if you're a green lantern you would have homes on all these different worlds. You would have lives on all these yeah. different worlds and people would know you. And and on so certain it's like your neighborhood. It's, it's like it's your neighborhood. Yeah. Like and so certain neighborhoods, planets yeah. would love you. Certain neighborhoods, certain planets would be like get the hell out of here. So, yeah. And so yeah. It, that is the story and he so he talked about like he's like That's cool. He's like one issue we're going to be on Vega 3 and there's like there's a there's a homicide and Hal has to figure it out and then on one issue we're going to be on Alpha Centauri twenty five and, and I'm sure there's like racism where like some aliens yeah. xen- literal xenophobia where some aliens are like into yep. their own kind being the police officer mm-hmm. that but the second like the human shows yeah. up they're spitting in his direction and, and the cool the that's coolest, cool the coolest thing about this is that Grant Morrison did this on Batman too and I, this is one of the things why I love Grant Morrison and if you've ever read his book Super Gods. It's amazing. It's, it is a if you're any kind of a writer, you totally need to read that book because it's amazing. His viewpoints. He says this on every character. When he gets a comic book character that or a character that he didn't create, he always goes back and reads like the first year mm-hmm. of that character because he says, "I want to figure out what it is originally in this character that made them take off." And he what? tried that with new. And sometimes it doesn't always work. It like, doesn't always work. Like yeah. New Fifty Two, he turned him into a bounder again. Like yeah. he turned Superman. I like a, that run in, though. Into I a really bounder do. again, and like T-shirt Superman is like one of my favorites. And they had to kill him. Yeah, I know. You know, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But, but then uh, somebody but, told me on a geek. Go ahead. I was a guest on a on a podcast. Somebody told me that that New Fifty Two universe still exists in the animated series, the animated movies. It's sort of, yeah. yeah and yeah. I'm like, oh man, like they sort of like the multiverse like, is caving my head. Um, in. I like that the multiverse is back, but uh, sure. So, so he said that he went back and reread like the very first year of Green Lantern Silver Age, like the Gardner Fox sure. one. And because of this, um, <coughs> Liam Sharp said that Grant is sending him pictures from all these weird aliens from the Green Lantern run in the '60s. And apparently, Grant Morrison's like, "I'm filling this book for 
full of Easter eggs. Silver Age Green Lantern Easter wow. eggs. He's like, every alien you see, he's like, is an alien that has appeared in this book before. That's really cool. And I'm just like, Jesus. So Liam Sharp said that it's like taking him the longest to draw, but like, then they showed his pages, and his pages are like insanely detailed. Liam Sharp's artwork, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what it reminds me of is that late 70s, early 80s comic strip Star Wars run that Al Williamson did. Oh, interesting. Do you remember those those yeah, kind yeah. of Flash Gordon-y mm-hmm. Star Wars? I was going to say George, he reminds me of George Perez. George Perez, yeah, yeah. it just reminds me of that like really intricate um, Flash Gordon late, like 70s, 80s artwork that you used to get with that. I just remember when Dark Horse collected all of the Star Wars comic strips. Yeah. Because in the late 70s, early 80s, there used to be in the in the newspaper. There used to be con- mm-hmm. like Star Wars. Is Spider Man still in, in Spider Man? Still, 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 I think Spider Man still may be in the Sunday Funnies. Mm-hmm. But there was a Star Wars one, and that was the original story between New Hope and Empire. Yeah, and so the one with, it blew with my rabbit, mind. Bucky yeah, O'Hare? It, well, somewhere in the mid nineties, uh, Dark Horse collected the in like a and I think they republished them in a series of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, all those reprints of the newspaper, and to me, that is my canon of what happened between New Hope and <laughs> Empire. I know that Marvel's doing that now; they're doing yeah. they, their series is between New Hope and Empire. What happens? But to me, it's that Al Williamson, like cool Flash Gordony, like Han Solo's all about like getting the money to Jabba, mm-hmm. and he's still doing that. And they're, they're kind of like like one step ahead of Darth Vader. And all that stuff, and I, I don't even know where you'd begin to find that stuff. But Geekscape is—if it's out there, it's totally fun to like read because it's not educated by yeah. everything after Empire. So Green Lantern, Graham Morrison pulled you back in, or you're like, I'm gonna check this out. I just saw that in DC Universe. Is that what the, the DC Nation? Yeah. Like, I just saw that, and I was like, Oh, they've done it again. Because, because let me tell you, the pocketbook and the timepiece are not comics friendly right now. Like, I am. I'm rewriting. A, here's a, something weird. It's like I'm rewriting a, a other people's scripts right now mm-hmm. for for Dinero, and I'm rewriting a feature script now that we would like to shoot next year. And then Geekscape, as you know, that we just finished a crowdfunding campaign ourselves for a short, and you don't know this, but I have two other shorts, and I would like to get the short done before we shoot the feature, and it's all kind of melting together. And then I'm doing for hire writing stuff, and I don't know. I go to sleep with comics next to me. I do too. Like I end up reading like two panels and falling asleep, and the comic ends up in the bed next to me. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no! I have a nightstand. You have a nightstand. Yeah, yeah. I have a nightstand too. But they're on but top of you. They're on my face, <laughs> and they slide on to the bed. Yeah. And like I sleep with comics next to me in bed, they just they're unfinished. Mm-hmm. And then I when I leave in the during the day to go do work, I. I take the unfinished comics and I put them in a sleeve and I put them in my bag. So if I find myself needing a brain re- like refresh after like you know sometimes you just need your image bank refreshed yeah. when you're writing and I'll stop and I'll read a comic for 15 minutes and like that's how I read comics. I should just give up trying to read them at night because all that ends up happening is I'm the, the weirdo with comics in his bed. Yeah. It's like eating before bed. You end up with crumbs if everywhere. You're, if you're in, if you're in bed and you're reading a comic you're going to put yourself to sleep now. I have. Yeah. Yeah, I have. It's like, it's a thing. So I'm the nerd who now sleeps with comics like I did back in high school. All right. College. 20s. 
Comics. <laughs> never. You never stopped. I never <laughs> stopped having comics in my bed. But the Grant Morrison thing had me excited, and I think that's an exciting take. What you just said. Oh no! I, I like yeah. He announced that. It's, it's funny. It's, it's been a rumor. Even when I worked back at DC, like it was. He's been working on this for a while. I think. Uh-huh. Because when I left DC earlier this year, they were it was basically known in the building that I was like, oh yeah, Grant Morris take over the Green Lantern, and so I was just waiting for them to announce it. And I, and it was it, awesome. And it, they waited until San Diego. So to me, and he he just did a tweet or an interview where he said like, oh, I'm already working on year two. Oh wow. And I'm like, oh wow, are you like twelve issues ahead already? Yeah. Jesus, it wouldn't surprise me. Grant Morrison's a crazy man. He's when crazy. Writing. But yeah. he, I love his I love his stuff. He's he is my favorite comic. I don't writer. know how how writers do it like. My current favorite right now is Jeff Lemire, and he works across love him too. publishers. So like and he'll draws, do, dude. he'll do, his artwork is phenomenal. Um, Did you read Rough City? I've read all of it. Oh, it's so, so good. Um, if you so guys, if it says Jeff Lemire on the comic, buy it. I will buy it, and um, and he must have five books on the stands in any given month. And I'm like, in like Royal City, he's he drew that one, and so with Royal City, which just finished, I'm like. How? Yeah. how how are you, how do you doing, doing artwork? Yeah, in this amazing, beautiful, like you know, style and um, and I think we've talked about Sweet Tooth. Obviously, I think all of you should go read Essex County, which will break you in the blankets way, like the way that blankets broke you and made you cry. Like yeah. Essex County. His for first me to book ever that. is a really good book if you've ever read it. It's called um, Lost Dogs. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so good. I, and his artwork, you can tell his art, like it was the first thing he ever drew for comics or whatever. And his artwork is very rough, but like it's such a great story. I like Lost Dogs. Um, it, if I'll just tell you guys right now because I'll never do it. But if I was to option anything, it would probably be The Invisible from Vertigo. Like Vertigo put out a book oh, called yeah, The Invisible. I have a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but like the invisible man hiding out in, in the Canadian wilderness mm-hmm. because the explosion that made him the invisible man also claimed the lives of like his love interest and his partner. Yeah. And he's wanted for those, like, murders because... It's basically they, just the invisible man hanging out in a hotel room trying to hide. And he's on the run yeah. from people who are looking for him because he's the guy who disappeared after these two bodies mm-hmm. came up. And he literally disappeared. <laughs> and it's just it's just really cool, small town, like, it's awesome. You know, he tells everybody that he got burned because mm-hmm. he's got wraps everywhere. Yeah. It's like Dark he's Man always style. He's bandages, yeah. Dude, there should be a Dark Man comic. You know, I'm surprised Darkman hasn't been brought back, but I I wonder if Sam Raimi or Universal owns it and they just won't let it go. Yes. Well, and like, weren't there several directed DVD sequels? Yes. I yeah. never seen I never saw any of them. So um, that first Darkman is pretty awesome. And yes. then the sequel was like Arcane's Revenge or something like that, and it was just like, oh no. You know another nineties superhero movie that I cannot believe we've never gotten a sequel to or a comic book to? Meteor Man. Yes, I think that Meteor Man First, I, wasn't I really, love that movie. Do you kid. really? I do. I remember seeing that movie and be like, mm. uh, I don't. I have not seen it since I entered adulthood. It's Robert Townsend. Robert Townsend. Yeah. yeah. And it's um, problematic now that that Bill Cosby is the guy who helps him. So you're just like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. He, he's like the Jonathan Kent. Yeah, he Dude, is. I remember nothing from Meteor mm. Man. <laughs> I remember a lot. I love Meteor Man, my friend. I, I loved think it. as a kid, you were saying yep. that things should be brought back. Having watched Darkman recently, I'm like, no, that one should actually be Okay, okay. <laughs> Watch Meteor Man again yep. and get back to us on whether or not you think Meteor I, Man should probably be returned. Won't, probably won't happen. Meteor Man, Blank Man, re, like, like, Oh, no, like I don't crossover. care about Blank Man can just stay dead. <laughs> With uh, Ghost Dad? <laughs> oh, Ghost Dad. 
We'll just be like, hey man, diversity is big now. We'll just make a, a like a like a black superhero universe. Well, nostalgia's king, man. It's, it's funny. King. Um, Have we hit '90s nostalgia yet? So, Have we hit that? Oh, I think we're gonna get close. I think. Well, do, does Bill and, House? Does Bill Does Bill and Ted Three bring in the age of '90s oh, nostalgia? Because we obviously did like Indiana Jones Four. You know. You know what? I think we'll know that '90s nostalgia is back when they remake Saved by the Bell. When we see the new right. Saved by the Bell, whenever they, River, whenever they Riverdale Saved by the Bell, and like Zach Morris is a principal, yeah, that's when we know the '90s is all just back. And Screech isn't making sex tapes anymore. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah, Screech is the <laughs> we won't even be in it, but yeah, it, and they'll get Zach Morris again. What was his name? Who played Zach? Mark Morris? Paul Gossler. Mar- Mark Paul Gossler will do it. Yeah, and then there's appearances by yeah, all, by the, all the rest of the cast. Yeah, and it's except their maybe Screech. And it's their kid, except maybe Screech. Yeah, <laughs> Screech, that's when we know we'll hit ninety. Screech tarnished himself a little bit. It's maybe, fun. maybe I guess sex tapes are the norm now. Oh man, yeah, and like you, he's the guy who had the first one. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, my friend. It's um so, and I talked to you about it. my new gig is um, I'm the showrunner assistant on the CBS show called The Code. Sure. So a lot of that it basically means that I just follow the showrunner around and basically learn how to be a television showrunner, which sure. is fucking awesome yes i can't uh, can wait I, to I, I, I curse in this podcast i'm I, sorry i can't wait to be hired by you yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I oh you will get a call from me i will I hire you i cannot wait to uh, start directing like, again it, it, um with all i have to go back to features do you understand <laughs> where my career is i have to go back to trying to make features yeah um so <laughs> if that tells you anything 20 years ago people didn't want to do tv at all yeah yeah now, and now, it's, do features, you know, and now it's like i had to go back to features <laughs> tv's that steady paycheck my friend um and you get union hours and it's all great so um so in our writer's room, we're in Culver City, and we're on the second floor of this building, and we're a CBS show. Uh-huh. And CBS, there's a billboard, right, because we're on Venice, there's a billboard right outside our windows. And last week, they remade it to the new Murphy Brown. Yes. And so it, That's the big poster outside your yeah, window, yeah. yeah. So the first hour the other day in our writer's room was not about the story that we had, the episode that we had to break. It was about this Murphy Brown billboard and whether like just staring at you guys because it's yeah it's Murphy it's Candace Bergen at a desk staring right at us yeah. kind of like being like you should be working but also yeah. like you should watch my show because we're on the same network. And there's some quirkiness in that image. Yeah, but right? um, yeah. so it was like our writers for like the first hour of the day and the show writer as well, um, all being like debating whether it was right to bring back Murphy Brown and yeah. the, the conclusion basically came to because everybody's like the show was amazing but who remembers that show that's alive now besides yeah. like our parents or us or yeah yeah um, I was on the very I, I can only remember watching this is how young I, I am or I was um, I think we we're five years apart you yeah, and I I can only remember like the last season um, I don't remember more than any of the last I remember I can remember the final episode of Murphy Brown I didn't watch any of it so but I've got a pretty amazing story. I don't. I don't think I'll share it here, at Geekscapes, and I really apologize. But it's not my story to tell. Um, when I went through Warner Brothers for training and directing mm-hmm. television, uh, my mentor is a woman named Bethany Rooney who directs a lot of television. She's incredibly talented, and and she's been incredibly kind to me. And and every now and then we'll meet for lunch and we'll catch up on the directing. And she'll be like, "How are you doing? How's this? How's that?" She'll she'll she continues to be my mentor and friend. She's incredibly supportive. And she directed on Murphy Brown. Oh, nice! When Robert Downey Jr. was the was in the guest star, do you remember Robert Downey Jr. was on that show? No idea. So, after Robert Downey Jr. had his his public bottoming out, when they found him in the neighbor's yeah. kids' room, yeah, like 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 strung I think out. That was in the nineties. 
So he was strung out. Okay. And they found him in a neighbor's room, and that was like the bottom of the bottom and yeah. of of Robert Downey Jr. And I remember when I first started dating Laura, and Laura lived in in Beverly Hills. There's that 76 station where little Santa Monica becomes Burton, I yeah, believe. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. would just sit at that 76 station with a guitar and just play his guitar, and nobody cared because he was just minding his own business, doing his thing, and nothing was really going on in his career. So, like, this is maybe 2004 or five. Okay. And um, the phone call, I guess he hadn't even done, he hadn't done Kiss Kiss Bang Bang yet. You know, no, because I think that's 05 or I 06. I think that's 05 or 06. So he's hanging out, but he had done early in the 2000s, he had done Murphy Brown and Bethany directed him in that episode, and it was part of his comeback. Mm-hmm. And I won't tell the story that of her interaction with him because it's, it, it's a great lesson on directing actors and, and being bold and making, you know, it's, it's an awesome story, but it does go to show you that the studio's approach to Robert Downey was that he, as a Oscar nominated for Chaplin he as a as a movie star was doing TV a favor in mm. doing it and but it was also part of his rehabilitation into the industry and um I have so much respect for the dude mm-hmm. you know and uh and obviously everybody involved like like dude bring Murphy Brown back but but have that one episode where Robert Downey Jr's character goes back well it's funny so in our cuz I think he did a full season I was think he it? did a. I think he did a full season what? of Murphy Brown. Good God! I think Robert um, Downey Jr. did a full season of Murphy Brown. We did so like in our writers' room. The conclusion finally came to the the end of the conversation. Just became the joke of, well, what show are they going to reboot next? And it, the room collectively was like, oh, I can't wait to see Sanford and Sons next year. Uh, I don't know. It, it's interesting from hearing other creatives talk about it. In my in my full time gig, it's everybody's. Especially writers, right? They're very worried about it because they're basically like, "Well, that means that my original TV show idea will never be picked up because yeah. they're just going to look back through their old catalog and be like, what name can we pluck out here?'" Yeah, but this isn't Fernie's paradox. Like, this isn't like the universe is so expanding so rapidly that we'll never discover other alien life. Like, mm-hmm. the the universe is expanding incredibly rapidly when you think about things like Netflix and Hulu. And on all this on-demand stuff, but um, in, in, in yes, there are shows that we will never watch because there are just too many. And like, I gotta watch my Iron Fist season two. <laughs> and that is that is something I've come to the grips with this year. Is this year you gotta let go of shows. the big list? Yeah, the big li- the big. Li- I have to let go of books and I have to let go of shows and movies because I'm like, there are just certain ones I'm gotta let go. I don't have them. time. I'm never gonna see them. So in that way, those creators are right. But it doesn't mean those shows aren't going to be greenlit. It doesn't mean that mm-hmm. those shows aren't going to happen. They're just going to have to fight harder for an audience. Yeah. Because the audiences will, the audience share will be smaller, but the opportunity and the number of outlets that can make that show. Like I was just listening to Bobcat Goldthwait talk about his show on tr- on True TV. Remember right. that it used to be Court TV. Yeah. And like now it's True TV, and they're making narratives. Like they're yep. making fictional narratives. History Channel does narratives now. History Channel. And we will have a day where History Channel makes fictional narratives. Yeah. Right now they're like, oh, it's kind of like what non-fiction. Yeah, it's sort of biographies. But, but they, True they, they, TV is straight up being like, this shit ain't true at all. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> this is truly not real. <laughs> well, every network right now, every channel, every streaming service is trying to get their 
Game IP? of Thrones, their, their, IP? their House of... Yeah, yeah basically, their, their show. I can't wait for you to get yours, man. I can't wait so. for this science thing. And let's bring it back, Geekscape, is sciencecomicbook.com. If you, put enough, if you pump enough money into this thing, you'll be watching it on Hulu by this time next year. <laughs> Speaking of pumping pump money, thing, we, we didn't talk about this reward. We do have a reward where... Um, and we did this in, in Jupiter Give Jet. it $10 million and you yeah, get to see million. it on Amazon. Actually, but we always, so we always do a funny reward on okay. our campaign. So if you go there and you look, we have the $5,000 uh, perk. And the $5,000 perk is called... We call it House Guests. And it says, any, if you're anywhere in the Canada, United States, Ashley and I will fly there to meet you, have lunch, we'll bring you like X copies of, of, of science, and then I will bring my favorite Star Trek movie along and we will watch it together. <laughs> so for $5,000, wow. Oscars. <laughs> but you gotta go together. Well, yeah, you gotta, well, yeah. yeah. Like, you and Ashley gotta go, because you actually yeah, can together. get dangerous. Yeah, yeah, we can get together. But, you know, but, uh, I was wondering, on Sark and LeVar, I think that what would end up happening is people would have purchased that, but they would have been like, Jonathan stays at home. <laughs> like, we don't want Jonathan, we just want Heidi to show yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, but it's all the thing. We but, want the really pretty girl to yeah. show up, and Jonathan can stay at home. The other one we have that's really cool that we had a lot of people do in Jubergett is um, we have a cameo. Mm-hmm. We have we have a certain perk where you can be drawn as a character. You can be drawn as a student at the school. I'll look like one of Graham or, Morrison's yeah, aliens. Yeah. Or you can be drawn, or you can be drawn as one of the teachers. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, 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 That's cool. But you get one of the flying robots. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. all look uniform. <laughs> that one's me. I'm just gonna tell people that. Yeah. I'll be like, that robot's me. It looks like all the other robots. It's the spirit. You're like, I paid for it. I, <laughs> damn you, in man. <laughs> so I mean. We can and we can steer clear of it. So let me know the, the DC thing when it ended. Sure. What the fuck? Because I remember calling you and being like, "Dude, what the fuck?" And you gave me the lowdown, and you don't. And we're friends, and yeah, yeah. you don't got to give me the lowdown here. But, um, but is that show still going? No. So that the was show it. Doesn't even exist. So that's what happened. We're, let's let's rest it. <laughs> let's. Let's sell access is no more. Because all I remember, because I looked up and Kevin Smith was launching their online platform, mm-hmm. DC Universe. Is that DC Universe? No, DC Universe is the game, dude. No, DC Universe is the streaming service. That's what they're calling it, DC Universe. They're just they're calling everything DC Universe. Now. But isn't DC Universe also the game that you can play online yeah, that like Marv Wolfman wrote? It's weird. I don't know. Okay. And well, then the DC okay. Nation. There's too many DC things right now. There's they're, and they're getting their names confused. Are they cannibalizing? You think the, their own thing? Because like we just said that we we're cutting back on like, like I've been cutting back on movies and comics and TV and I've and, and I've just been scaling back because when you create stuff, you just have to scale back. Um, there's just no time. And um, and do you think that they're creating too much product? And that they're dividing their own market shares. Yep. So like their audience is like, well, I don't have time to read these comics. So I don't read them because I'm watching the comic books. Well, I'm watching Titans and I'm watching Young Justice and I'm uh-huh. watching Arrow and I'm watching Legends and I'm watching Black Lightning. And I'm watching Flash. I'm is watching... Marvel having that problem? Uh, hmm. No, because the main Marvel product right now is movies, which come out three times a year. But I was just talking about Iron Fist. Oh yeah, I, for, I, for, I always forget about the Netflix Marvel stuff. <laughs> and there is. Also, the there's Cloak Runaways and, and there's Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger is good. And Cloak and Dagger is good. I've only I've seen the pilot, but okay. uh, I thought the pilot was great. And I heard Runaways is really Runaways good. is great. Okay. Runaways season I still one. Watch Runaways. Definitely watch it. Okay. Put that on your list. Okay. Um, I don't have Hulu. I don't. I. I. I don't have. A, I. I. I've taught myself to stop doing stuff. I just know I won't watch everything I have, I have else. Pa- I, have, I, have, I borrowed someone's password. 
Guys, you heard it here first. He's a thief. Don't pay for your right. comic. That's right. No, I'm just kidding. Look, look I give somebody comic. my HBO Go password. They give me their. Okay, well, that kind of works so out. It's like, it's like you guys are roommates. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just call that distant roommates. Um, the thing there is. Digital roommates. Digital roommates. I'm down with that. Um, yeah, I, I think that um, you're just. You start to compete against yourself and, and you start to figure out, like, what it is. Because remember, like, there's only one Avengers book right now. Yeah, and I love that there's only one. And Avengers there used to book. be twenty. There used to be twenties, and I think. And Brian Michael Bendis, uh, although New Avengers, Brian Michael Bendis, I love that run. It's it became the Avengers, but that book. is what launched. Yeah, we had like U.S. Avengers and Avengers Sewer right. Patrol, and like all this <laughs> Sewer <laughs> Patrol. <laughs> it's just Dillo. It's just the armadillo no, guy. It's D Man. D Man. It's just D Man like, walking. What? It smells. Why am I doing this? I dress like Wolverine. And well, let's run that cover right now. So it's like you open the cover, and just D Man be like, <laughs> something stinks. And then it's 20 splash pages of him just getting sadder and sadder. But the thing is, one of the most iconic moments. In, if you guys don't know D-Man, he's literally wearing Wolverine's brown and gold he's outfit with a giant D yeah. on it. Um, the thing is, though, like what's funny about him being on Super Patrol is one of the most iconic moments is when Wolverine gets thrown into the sewer by the Hellfire, the Hellfire Club, Club. Yeah. and then he has to fight his way out of the yeah. sewer and like save the team. <laughs> It's one of the most famous last pages ever. It's where he, him where he's in like, the sewer. It, doesn't he say like it's, it's my turn now? Bud. Yeah, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So no, no it's so, yeah, so every, man has to do that version. But, <laughs> but the thing is, he never makes it out of the sewer. Yeah, he never gets out. He never gets out of the. <laughs> I would like for them. It's it, like Eeyore the comic, where every 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 issue he reads, it's like, oh bother, oh boy, <laughs> D team again. I think uh, the thing is. Uh, I, I understand why there's 15 X-Men books. Right now, sure. I read none of them. I can't, I just um, cannot do it. I'm going to give you a record. X-Men Rad is by Tom Taylor is good. Yes. And X-Men Blue by Colin Bunn is good. I've, I've heard it's all good. I haven't good. read X-Men Gold. I've heard it's all good. That's Mark Gunnar's book, right? Yeah, I haven't had a chance for it. I've heard it's all good, but too many characters and like yeah. so many storylines. They're all interconnecting. Babies, I would love for you guys to contract that. Let's contract the X Men universe and let's just make it one book and I'll read it. I'm going to ask you this question because I've been talking, this conversation has come up with a bunch of my very, very, very comic book nerdy friends for like the last couple years. How dare you? I have have nothing in common with them. Well, yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, Although we just just wrote a D Man comic book. Um, (laughs) Do you think Marvel Comics should reboot? No. Like, do you think they... Because I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people, and a lot of people think that you just brought up the X-Men, and even Spider-Man is super complicated right now, and Captain America's it's complicated not. because he's like... But a lot of people think that Marvel needs the Crisis on Infinite Earths right now. Like, it needs the reset. Are you talking about DC fans saying that Marvel should do this no, shit? No, I'm talking about, like, everybody... It's across the board, my friend. Like, where a lot of people are like, it's, it's hard to get into Marvel comics right now. Even, even mm. think about this. Read, picking up Fantastic Four number one, which just yeah. came out, and I love Fantastic in a, Four. In, in the Fantastic Four the aren't fir- in it. The Fantastic Four aren't in it, and then you, if you are like, oh great, I'm going to get into Fantastic Four, you pick up that issue, and you're like, wait, where, did, where were they? You really need to start with the Marvel thing two and one. Yeah, like the the the. the so then that means like I have the to, two and one, the, the, eight, the, the human the Human Torch thing two and one is fucking awesome. In that issue, yeah. where it was actually the thing. Like invent like uh, Doctor Doom two in one yeah was amazing because it went into Secret War and you mm. explained all the Secret War stuff. Secret War was as close to a soft reboot as I think you need to get. 
And the only but flaw it, it wasn't in it, a reboot at all. And the only flaw in it was that you didn't get the Fantastic Four. That being said, like mm-hmm. you collapsed the Ultimate Universe, which was your reboot. The Ultimate Universe was your reboot. I liked the Ultimate Universe. It was great. They it, let it go off the rails. It got way off the rails. But yeah. But that was your reboot, uh, sports fans. And if anything. They should make another. No, no, they just fucking. No, no, they just did it twenty years ago, and they collapsed that universe into the Marvel universe and threaded it in, and it's fine. I think the six sixteen is fine. Which it's funny. Everybody in Marvel is like, you can't call it that now. It's the six sixteen. It's six sixteen. Yeah. Listen to Alan Moore. You. It's the six (laughs) sixteen. Oh, and that being said. Like if you, things are too simple, like if mm-hmm. you want something simple, Nick Spencer's Spider Man is the simplification of the character. I actually like that run. Yeah, and, and it's fun, and I and, and I like Otley's artwork. And oh, he's so good. And it's fun, and it does feel like Invincible, sure, but it's your it's my favorite comic book character, and he's doing some fun stuff. And I know it's the storyline from Superman three, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put that together until you just said that. It's fucking Superman 3. Oh, man. He fights a... Ver- oh, man, I hope we get Peter in a bar drinking yeah. whiskey then. <laughs> with like a, two, like a, like a three-day shave. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah, be yeah. Peter. You get Spider-Man. Oh, it would be Spider-Man doing I that. I think he's he's already got the three-day shave, yep. the, the, but he's I got the mask on. I did not put that together until you Dude, said that. No, I, I'm loving that run, though. I'm loving yeah, that. Yeah, no offense, but it is Superman 3, and it's... <laughs> oh, man. So what's his version of Nuclear Man going to be? Oh, it's Superman 4. <laughs> Nuclear Man will be... Oh, when... oh, shit. I got it. Here you go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> D-Man so, is in the sewers. No, no. <laughs> no the, the next arc is going to be Nick Spencer's version of, of Superman 4, except it's going to be uh, Captain Universe Spidey. You know what? It's the, it's just the Sentry. Nobody likes it. Let's, <laughs> you know what? Marvel, if you're going to do anything, don't collapse the universe. Just stop trying to sell us on yeah. the century. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that because I know you're, you're probably. I don't think it works. Yeah, yeah. It's like don't. I think here's the thing, geekscapists. If you're or people who are new to the podcast who think that this is a good idea, Marvel revamps their characters every few few years. Anyway, mm-hmm. you just have to find the jumping on point. And right now, Spider-Man is doing a jumping on point. Like yeah, the, there's only five issues in, I think. Yeah. Like. Thor is currently doing a jumping on point mm. where they've stri- like okay they've they've given Thor back the mantle he doesn't have Mjolnir but he has an axe you'll figure it out and he's what's the name of his new axe I don't know it's not like, Stormbringer it's right? not Stormbringer um, like Thunderstrikes the thing is none of these none of these none of these because even when Marvel because listen. Complete I reboots. I love that it you with this. Complete reboots don't happen. And you know for a fact, yep. listeners and DC fans, that it didn't happen with New 52 because they didn't touch Green Lantern and Batman. Or Batman, yeah. They didn't touch Green Lantern. And that's probably that's and they didn't touch part of the Batman. reason why I think New 52 didn't work. So New 52 wasn't a complete reboot. Yeah. So if you want your, re- your complete reboot, you got to do what Marvel did and create a universe completely separate from mm-hmm. your universe to actually reboot them. Yeah. And you can get all sorts of great new ideas, like like Nick Fury is Samuel Jackson, yeah. like Miles Morales. You can use oh, you can see it up there. I have. Uh, we're sitting in the living room. I have almost all of Ultimate Spider-Man in hardcovers. I have the Ultimates in hardcovers. Hardcovers. I got them in single issues, fool. I uh, I <laughs> I when I bought the single issues, and I had them all in single issues. <laughs> I had when I moved out to LA. Yeah, those comics I had to say goodbye to. <gasps> I just saw all of them in Austin. Yeah, when I was in Austin, yeah, I they just were saw mine. all of them, and uh, I just I didn't have the space. I had to. I, yeah, no, I I, I, had to, I, had to, I had to take all my I had to take my entire comic collection and make it two long boxes How, to fit what, in my car. What did you do? Did you sell them? Uh, yeah, I actually had a comic book store right up the street, 
And because I was like getting ready to move, I actually, and he was a good friend of mine, the guy, I'd been a customer of his for like three or four years. And I literally said, take these, look, I know there's probably some valuable stuff in there, but just give me what you think is fair. Uh-huh. And yeah, and he gave me uh, fifty. No, <laughs> no, I think I, I, th- well, I didn't. I think I think he gave me like a hundred dollars for my my ultimate Spider Man. Like I had every issue. Yeah, I think he gave me like a hundred dollars and like um like he he pretty treated me pretty fair. I got like I think I got like five hundred bucks for the whole collection. I think um, and there wasn't it. I mean, look, all my comics yeah. were from the nineties and the two thousands. Yeah. There's nothing crazy in there. Well, life facts. I used to live in a house, and now I live in an apartment, so I'm facing the the storage crunch. And um, do you have a whole bedroom that's just nothing but comic books? I wish it was only comic books. <laughs> Action figures. Statues. You've seen my collection. Yeah, yeah, I've seen your long boxes. I've that's why I haven't seen it in the, in the apartment yet. But walls. It's because yeah. it's not in my apartment. It's in a storage unit. <laughs> there, I can't consolidate. Yeah, and we will use this as a plug for your. Comics drive for the troops. That's <laughs> coming up in Christmas, I believe. November. You, November. November. So. Um, if your life is spiraling out of control because you've self-medicated with comics for the last three decades, <laughs> like remember, there is a way out. Mm-hmm. If you want to go cold turkey, and it's coming up in November, compliments of this man, Jason Inman. Um, dude, yeah, no, man, now we're talking about all sorts of crap. Uh, yeah, off the rails. I think I've. This is a long episode. Uh, no, this is really it's, long. No, episode. this is good. All right. um, we're at an hour, so right. we will wrap it up. But I think have I settled the point that. Complete reboots of of comic universes are crap in a fiction that we tell ourselves have happened before when they haven't. They didn't happen in the original Crisis. They're not happening now. They definitely didn't happen in the New 52. Well, and they say, didn't happen in the Marvel Universe. I will say this. Um, so DC, now that they're past Rebirth, they, they've gotten past Rebirth, and they did this thing in Metal where they sort of opened the source wall, where they broke the source wall, which is yeah. the wall outside of the, yeah. whatever. And in this sort That's of... That's the one with all the faces on it? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it's sort of this confluence of events... DC Universe now, because the source wall has been broken, is now back to this idea where, like, yeah, all those past stories, those pre-Christ and Infinite Earth stories, all those stories, yeah, they sort of kind of all happened. Sure. And you just put them in, because they, they're now, like, referencing stuff. Yeah, it's like, whatever you want, kids. Whatever you want to do. Exactly. And so, they, so they, they even did this, like, sort of Superman timeline where they showed Superman in the underwear costume, but then... They showed like some of his past adventures, and in his past adventures, it was just like, well, okay, for like maybe one year of his career, he wore the new Fifty Two costume. Sure. So that's how you slip the new Fifty Two in there. Um, and so you're just like, oh, okay. So they kind of some just... of the actions in that costume don't gel yeah, because you're yeah, reintroducing yeah. villains and things like that. But well, and that's okay. your, your interpretation. But they've kind of like taken all of DC history, and they're just like, yeah, it kind of all happened. If now. you do that, then he's met those people fifteen times. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, wait. You just have to. Ign- well, Superman what? has like twelve different origins, so like right. you just have to kind of ignore them all, or you pick the one that you like the best, which is the. You guys know the origin of Superman as well as you know the origin of Spider-Man. Like yeah, that you is don't the have to origin. say it anymore. You like, don't have to say it you're anymore. Done. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny, but I, I love. I think and Jonathan Kent died of a heart attack. <laughs> uh, I think I love the Superman origin so much that I like. I've, I own every version of it. Like I love that. Right. I actually think that's Superman's the best non story. Tor- the non tornado origin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the only. That's one I don't like. Uh, although I love Kevin Costner's podcast. I, I do too. Yeah. The things that were coming out of his mouth, though, made me crazy. Oh, I don't. I, I, I don't. I, I, we, I think we've had this argument before. I disagree with that. He's, I, as a person who grew up on a Kansas yeah. farm, he sounds like a Kansas farmer. Yes, but the things he was actually saying in like his actions, I was like, you're leading to a morally ambiguous Superman that will be problematic very quickly. <laughs> Please, you must listen to what you're saying. 
And please don't. Okay. Yeah. All right. Superman well. Birthright's the best Superman. There you go. All right, cool. Yeah, and like <laughs> Superman for All Seasons and that stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. is like it's that's classic and and uh, and Smallville. I love Smallville. I man. fucking love Smallville. love Smallville. You know what? Here's your Superman origin. It's him and Jonathan Kent work building a fence. End of story. That's a great <laughs> like, scene. That's all you that's need. A great scene. Is them building a fence. Oh man, so good. So Geekscapists, we're talking about all sorts of origins, and we're definitely comic heavy on this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're think picking up new comics. We're I gonna be pitching Marvel and D-Man, right? Yeah, D-Man <laughs> Sewer Force, Avengers Sewer Patrol. <laughs> I think he's a yeah Avengers <laughs> Sewer Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that really if you're invested in origin stories and you're invested in creators as I hope that I've helped engender in you with this podcast is I hope you, you go to sciencecomicbook.com and you help another origin story um, if you've read Jupiter Jet you know it's a great book um, and these are the same folks doing their own thing and you guys should read it um, Science the Comic Book I can't ask the timeline I will not ask you the timeline for when to expect the book because people are asking me how the second Lavar film is going, and we just wrapped a week and a half ago on our crowdfunding, so I'm like, oh yeah, it's wrapped, we're done. You haven't gotten the movie yet? <laughs> like, 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 huh. t- like, creative timelines are all sorts of things, and so you just don't know, but well, as, as surely as you are getting a short film from Heidi and yeah. I, you are getting this comic book. Yeah, sciencecomicbook.com. Yeah, it, it, you should have the book by June-ish of next year. What Jason has just told you is that when you come to the Comic-Con booth for Geekscape you'll have it. July, you will have it, but only if you gave into the Kickstarter because they're only publishing as many copies. That's right, that's right, that's as right. As the Kickstarter, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, there might be some left over at there, there might be some left over. Like, for look, them to sign look, and give but, you... But again, it's like the only way you can guarantee yourself guaranteed to get a copy. Guaranteed yep. is to plunk it down. Yep. And like it's not gonna be like Jupiter Jet. You're not gonna be able to go to Amazon and get this thing. And they're not gonna sign your iPhone or your iPad. Nope. So you you probably want that twenty five dollar model so you can live under a threatening pile of comic books as I do mm-hmm. every night. That's right. <laughs> oh, this, <laughs> is, this, is, uh, this will be a tiny. It'll be like a. It's a six by nine. It's a little t- smaller. Oh, thing. it's a digest. So, mm-hmm, it's a digest size. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. We wanted to make it a little digest size. So I like that. Yeah. I like that. You know, it's very kid friendly. You guys are smart up there in Canada. Uh, I like I like that. Was that your decision or the publisher's decision? Uh, a little bit of both. That's cool. A little bit of both. Like we kind of c- came to it together. Yeah. That's how I read Archie. Yeah. And all the Disney comics. Oh was yeah, the, I, I love the Disney digest comics. Sizes. Yeah. And, and in Mexico, they still do digest sizes, sometimes just for traditional books as well because they're all reprints. Yeah. You know. I used to buy the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Adventures digest mm-hmm. from Archie. They were so good. So Geekscape is there. You have it. Um, I hope you've enjoyed If you're watching Iron Fist Season 2 I hope you've enjoyed this, The episode where I sat down with Ian And we talked about it um, And again Go back to the couple of episodes Of Geekscape Because um, I'm trying to bring you guys A pretty diverse Cast of guests They're all storytellers And I got on Twitter And I talked to my buddy Chris About the Dean Devlin episode From earlier this year Because <laughs> we were talking About Universal Soldier Because we were talking oh, man. About uh, What were we talking about We were talking about Van Damme And we were talking about this amazing article that Entertainment Weekly, I believe, put up uh, recently, and it was, um, I found it because I was looking at those Captain Marvel set photos, or... or the Entertainment shot, Weekly photos? The Entertainment Weekly photos, and I was like, that's awesome, and then Entertainment Weekly did an article on the 25th anniversary of Hard Target. Oh, wow. And they interviewed John Woo about mm-hmm. making his first American film, and it's an incredible article. If you guys can find it, and you care at all, go read it, because what's incredible is... I did not know that that was the first 
studio film that was headed by an Asian director. I would think I didn't that know 19, that either. I thought that 1991 was a little late for a yeah. studio to hire an Asian director. That's insane. And I guess they're claiming in that article that John Woo was the first Asian director hired by a studio, and that Sam Raimi, who was a producer on Hard Target, and then later used Van Damme when he produced Time Cop, was a producer on that film simply to shadow John Woo in case he slipped. Sam Raimi was going to take over. And oh, I'm like, wow. holy shit! And oh my god! And I, I can't imagine I love the Sam Raimi hard target. I love those directors. And what's great is that John Woo says that Sam Raimi, who he did not know why he was following him like that, but it turned out to be a great friend and one of his greatest proponents on the film. I'm a big and, Sam Raimi fan. And, and would like yell at the, at the studio. Oh yeah. To like back off on John Woo's decisions and like became one of his greatest defenders. And I was like, yeah, my two like two of my favorite directors like kicking yeah. ass together. You know, bringing it all back. Oh, uh, fuck yeah. You know, Sam Raimi would direct the hell out of Avengers Sewer Patrol. <laughs> it's all dark. D-Man's Can you imagine this, the, the Evil Dead camera shots down the yeah. sewer tunnels? Oh, man, it'd be great. D-Man's like, I'm seeing things. <laughs> I'm going crazy. <laughs> oh, poor D-Man. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love how people think that revamping a comics universe is a thing that has ever happened. I'm like, it's never been a solution, and it has never been anything. Like, tell that to these people. Be like, to the who people? To the people who say that they should revamp a, a comics universe. Be like, uh, it's never actually happened. That's true. You're That's fooling really yourselves <laughs> if you thought that New 52 or any of these were actually reboots. Well, the big one's Crisis on Infinite yeah, Earths, and like, that's not even a real 100% no, reboot. you gave him a mullet. Congrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> not a reboot. It's magnificent, uh, that mullet. <laughs> that was the worst. Th- I, I wanted Henry Cavill to come back with a mullet when he came back to life. Just for one scene. I was like, give him a in beard and a mullet. In a black and silver suit. Yeah, yeah in a black and silver <laughs> suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Geeks gave us. I hope we've gone down the r- enough rabbit holes to satisfy your geek needs. Oh my god! <laughs> um, guys, sciencecomicbook.com. You can find Jason Inman on pretty much everything. Like yeah. Twitter, at Jawin, J W I I N. You can find me everywhere, mm-hmm. and you can find Ashley on everywhere. Basically, at Ashley V Robinson. And you can always find us hanging our hats at Geekscape.net. We got a lot of cool content. I think that later this month, Matt Kelly is going to Fantastic Fest and doing some interviews and stuff for the Horror Movie Night podcast, and I look forward to that stuff. And again, if you're a video game fan, we just had a whole cast of characters up at PAX West playing video games, and that stuff is covered in our Geekscape Games podcast as well as on the website. Uh, We are not done here at Geekscape. We're getting really close to episode 500, and I've been filibustering with specials because I don't know what to do for episode 500, but I bet you it's going to feel a lot like sitting down with a good friend and talking creative stuff. So if you enjoyed it, tell your friends about it, leave a review and do all those things that are Geekscape friendly. Uh, Love you guys. I'll see you guys on the internet. And for Jason Inman, take care. Love you. ScienceComicBook.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.